Hey there, this is the Shortlist Podcast on iTunes, Omni or whatever platform you listen to your potties on. We usually hang out with you from 4pm every Sunday on Sin 90.7. However, we're taking all our bits and pieces and popping them online for your convenience. We are Gloria and Ro, and we're here to introduce you to all your new favourite artists. Hell yeah, we are. We're digging into the inspirations, motivations and stories behind the bands on the way up. So come along for the ride. It's great to have you here. Hey, my name is Mara and I play guitar. And my name is David and I sing for Bellhaven. Take us right back to the start. How did the idea of Bellhaven begin? Chris, the other guitarist who isn't Mara, he started a band in high school um, with a bunch of friends and then that extended past high school. I was in an indie band at the time playing guitar and singing in that. And then uh, stuff went down in my life. I got pretty sick. Just before that all happened, though, Chris asked me to come sing a Sayerson cover with his, like, heavy band. Because, to quote him, we want to cover Seven Years by Sayerson, and you're the only one I know that can sing that high. And I was flattered and down, and I just liked music, so whatever. Um, so I did that, and then went to hospital for a little while. And then when I came out, they had waited for me to come out and continue to play music with them and they'd written some songs and I needed to learn how to scream and stuff and didn't really know what that was but figured it out I guess and then that's how it all sort of started with Chris's little high school band I guess. When did you feel like this band was something that could take off? I feel like us as people and us as friends in the band really come together in the last probably year. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say the past year for sure. Like the band's been around for many, many years. I've been in the band for nearly three years. But the last year is when we finally feel like a cohesive unit. We all kind of have the same idea of what we want to do and the same idea of what we want to achieve. And I think at that point when we had a proper structure and we're all gelling like and we're best friends and we've never been closer than we have in the last year. So yeah, I think for sure. Based on that last year, that's where we feel like we've got a shot at making a dent in this universe. Yeah. Some way. Making a dent. I that's like the plan. That. Yeah, that's the plan. You said you've been in the band for a little over three years. There have been quite a few personnel changes throughout the history of Bellhaven. Do you feel like this is the lineup that was, I guess, waiting to happen? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. For sure. yeah. Where the band is right now uh, is. I mean, no, no diss to anybody else who's ever been a part of the band because we're super close with most of them. Nice, um, yeah. So, you know, we're super grateful for everything that they did while they were in the band. But where the band is right now, it's just, it's magic. Like, every time we're all in a room together, it just feels amazing. It's just the best. Like, yeah, and just even, like, yeah. Mu- music aside and, like, playing shows aside, like, as just friends, we've never been closer yeah. and yeah everyone's just on the same page feels like there's a lot of love in the room and love community family that is a huge part of the Bellhaven message you start your shows out telling everybody that they are part of this big family when did that idea become a part of the Bellhaven value I actually remember this pretty distinctly we were just we were kids basically we just started the band um, and we were in this battle of the bands that Destroyer Alliance was hosting um, and we knew next to nothing about Destroyer Lines or anything like that, but we somehow ended up in this this battle. And we ended up in the grand final um, up against bands like Storm the Sky before that was Storm the Sky. And we won. But before that, we, we obviously put in a lot of prep for that show because it was our biggest show and we were like, we wanted to win this competition and it was such a big deal for us. And we were just kids, so we were, you know, crapping our pants, I guess. And our old bassist, Dan, said to me that when I get on stage, I should say, we are Bellhaven and you are the reason that we're 
here and I did and it just felt so warm and then you know the band started doing a little bit better and more people started to vibe the music and vibe the message and in the music and the lyrical content and everything and it just sort of all sort of fell together and I started feeling like I was a part of a family and I wanted other people to feel that way too because playing shows is like my safe space I guess super cliche but my like happy place and I wanted other people to feel that way too and I wanted them to feel safe and like they're a part of a community and a family. So I always try to remind people of that whenever we play shows. My personal experience with Finding Out About Bellhaven, I was a 15-year-old kid and one of my friends found an old demo of theirs and went to one of my first local shows, got a train from Bundura to Frankston and was in a pub with like five people in it. The Pint and Pickle. Pint and Pickle pub. And there were five, six sweaty white guys with our shirts on and there was this crazy electricity in there and some sort of vibe that I'd never experienced before in my life. And in hindsight, it was like this family thing and this community. And that's, I think, something that really threw me towards Bellhaven and throws, I think, most of our fans. Like, we kind of want every live show to kind of transcend a musical thing as cliche as it sounds and be more of an event yeah. and like people connecting together through the music instead of watching a show like we're all on stage together yeah I vibe that did you know from that show were you like when that guitarist when he's gone I'm finally yeah, we speak about this that's interesting yeah not at that precise point but uh maybe a year or two later after I'd seen Bellhaven every weekend for the last year and a half I had this weird feeling like my band at the time which was like pretty much a Bellhaven worship band <laughs> yeah, broke up like babies. Um, I was really I was really fine with the band ending because I had this weird feeling that like oh yeah at some point I'll be in Bellhaven and a year and a half later Chris messaged me and it happened I think that's really cool that you came at the band from like a super fan I was the biggest sweater I was the number one Bellhaven yeah. sweater I'm still the biggest Bellhaven sweater for everybody out there <laughs> if you think you love Bellhaven more than me you don't and I sweated my way into the band don't let your dreams be dreams how was that from your perspective when you saw how much he loved the band to invite him into the band? It's funny you ask. Like, when I think back to it now, I don't think anything of it at all. I remember, like, making jokes and, like, we would laugh all the time that you used to just, like... Because I remember that Pint and Pickle show and you and your friends came up to me and, like... <laughs> oh that was amazing man do you want me to go to McDonald's and buy you some chips or something like, just like you're, you're beautiful and we um, did we got you some fries you got, yeah you got me some fries it was awesome so we, we always used to reference that and joke about it but you coming into the band even like rehearsing for the first time because you didn't want to do auditions or anything like that it was just like right and was so natural we never really stopped too much to think about it all it was just right so it was so so overwhelmingly natural same with Jake, actually, like yeah. our new drummer. Exactly the same, just like supernatural. And he was similar sort of thing. Like yeah, loved like the band, super fan. loved the band. It's just one and of those then, things that like there wasn't an audition or thing. It was just like, oh, who are we gonna? Who's gonna do this now? Who's the right guy? Yeah. And, can kind of play the instrument that we can get up to standard. Yeah. And that was me and Jake. 2011 and 12, you released two EPs, and then there was a huge stretch of time. In 2015, you went and dropped your debut album, Everything Ablaze. Firstly, how does a young band from Melbourne get a legend like Matt Goldman on board? It's quite simple, really. <laughs> yeah. All it takes is uh, an email. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a joke between our old bassist, Dan, and myself. He and I were very close, and we we listened to the same music. We used to uh, the the Chariot and Under Oath. We used to listen to them 
all the time and Matt Goldman recorded both of those bands um, and we were sitting on his deck one day listening to probably The Chariot because we were really big on them at the time and we were starting to realise that we hadn't released any music for so long and bands need to release music and we were like ah we should probably do that and just stop messing around all the time and then we were sort of like oh who should we record it with and we're like oh it'd be pretty funny to record with Matt Goldman like that would be funny as sort of thing and out of curiosity one night I browsed the web and then I found uh, his email address or the email address for his booking agent at the time and they got back to me with some pricing and it was way out of our league. I was just like, oh sorry, like can't really do that because we're from Australia and we're just a young band or whatever. And that changed every. Oh, you're from Australia? Oh, never really worked with an Australian because he'd, he'd worked kind of with one Australian band in the past, but not like produced engineered mixed all of that and he did all of that for us so it was like a new thing for him working with an australian artist oh artists act so he was so generous to us and so kind and let us stay in the studio and like um offered us a great price which is obviously a big element of what made it possible for us because we had to be able to afford it and suddenly this joke was like oh man we should actually do this and we did it and then did it again <laughs> so yeah Take yeah. us back to that first time, like you're getting on a plane, you're flying over to the States, going to work with this person who has recorded clearly some of your favourite albums. Yeah. What was that like? Very frightening. I'd never been overseas before myself. I don't know about the other guys, I can't remember. Because you weren't in the band at that point, were you? No. James had once. James had, yeah. I'd been to Tasmania, so that's overseas, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but, um, I don't think it's real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The most nerve-wracking part for me, though, was all the all the transit had led us to Luxembourg Station, which is in Atlanta, which was about a you know 10-minute drive from the studio, and quite a long walk, obviously, and we had no idea where we were. Phones weren't really working. And we went up to the attendant at the station, and we were like, oh, excuse me, do you know where Faulkner Road is? And she was like, Fork in the Road! And we were like... No, no, fork in the road. No, fork in the road. Ah, oh, you assies. And we're like, oh man, we're lost. Can you please help us? So we just like figured out a way to get our phone to work so I could call Matt. And that was the most nerve wracking moment because I was like, I just realized I'm calling this guy that I've watched videos of for like five years. And I was, I had him on like this massive pedestal. I still kind of do. He's, he's amazing. And then he answered, hello. And I was like, uh, hey. And he's like, oh, hey, you must be David. And I just felt this warmth flush all over me because he was just so nice from the get-go and like came and picked us up did two trips because there was six of us brought us all to the studio and like was so nice and we just became friends very quickly and all the nerves kind of went away but yeah the whole ordeal getting there and getting to the studio and talking to Matt and meeting Matt was very nerve-wracking and exciting but nerve-wracking. Did you expect such positive feedback from the record once it was released especially with the space in time? We all had really odd varying expectations for the record and it had been such a stressful ordeal to get everything ablaze out. The positive feedback was definitely like really overwhelming and fantastic and we toured with Norm, like one of our favourite bands Norma Jean straight after that in Australia and we just released our first album and everything just felt surreal. In terms of keeping in mind that big break, yeah I think, I think now thinking back I think we were definitely a little bit shocked 
We were lucky. We were definitely lucky. I remember talking to Chris about how lucky we were that we were still, uh, I guess, relevant or able to have people want to listen to our music after not releasing anything for three years, I think, or anything substantial for three years. So, yeah, definitely very fortunate that people wanted to still pay attention. Absolutely. Now we are moving into album number two, which is a very, very exciting time, I'm sure, in the band. I'm excited I'm not even in the band. So you, me, and everything in between. Now, when you announced it on Facebook, you said that at the end of 2015, you had headed back into the studio. It's 2017. It's been quite a long time. <sighs> yeah. More dramas. We, we, we just had a, a lot of issues mainly with getting the record mixed and mastered. The person they were working with to mix the record was uh, not being very helpful. And, um, nope. It was kind of, it was, uh, it was because we were good friends with him and he was around in the studio when we were tracking and stuff. And I'm not like there were a lot of personal issues going on in his life. And I think he uh, took on a lot of work on himself and was um, at times not prior to prior to he cut us a he, yeah he cut us a great deal for yeah. because we were his friends and that's part of it. We we loved his work and he cut us an awesome 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 deal like really really awesome. And we were just like this is too good to be true. Of course we're going to get you to do it. Like that's great. And he was so stoked. To, he wanted from the moment we stepped into the studio again and he was there all the time he was like I want to mix this so bad I've heard the songs I really want to mix it and then it just turned into a nightmare because yeah. obviously he works he works uh, with the label Equal Vision I think he works directly with and or for Equal Vision and does a lot of their bands so every time Equal Vision would send him another band that's obviously a priority over some small Australian actor that he's just kind of friends with um, so we definitely got put on the back burner a lot if, if everything went to plan, this record should have come out last March, probably. <laughs> yeah. Which is, uh, yeah. But everything happens for some sort of reason, so mm. we're here at this moment in time, and it's finally coming out. I think we're just happy to get it out and move on, really. We've never been more... I feel like us as a band, and me personally, hasn't been more excited to write new music right now than we have in yeah. three, four Absolutely. years. Absolutely. So beyond excited. <laughs> And really excited to play this album. And oh, yeah. See what people think and uh, see if it makes them feel something because uh, we'd like that. We are going back a little bit in time, but can we talk about the writing and recording process for this record? Obviously, you've got one under your belt. What was it like? With both Everything in Blaze and You Mean Everything Between, we set ourselves particular goals which I think is something that's probably super relevant to, to this question. So with Everything Ablaze, we told ourselves that we wanted to write what we wanted to write. And let's not think about what is going to get us on the radio or what is going to make a really cool music video or whatever. Let's just make cool music that sounds like what we put together. And we did that. You, Me and Everything Between was more, let's write... A um, cohesive sound. Yeah. Like a really big problem with Everything Ablaze was that, although it was very true to everybody's type of musical influences and... At the time, if somebody picked up a guitar and they just wrote exactly what came out naturally, that's really evident in Everything Ablaze because there's three super soft songs, there's three really heavy songs, there's three songs are in the middle, and some other songs that are just somewhere on that spectrum. I felt like with this record, we had a really clear and concise vision of what we wanted. We still wanted the record to like to breathe and have some dynamics, but it was a lot more cohesive, a lot more yeah. well thought out. I think our key words for this record was fast, aggressive, and catchy. And uh, I think I think we achieved that. Yeah, no, we did. I'm stoked. 
it seems like this album there was like a more deliberate focus on great songwriting. The yeah, songwriting definitely. The, when you listen to the actual structure of it, it sounds like it's a lot more polished and a lot more thought out than maybe the first album was. That's that's like a huge compliment. So thank yeah, you. Because that's you definitely much. something we really tried to do. So you saying that is like so cool. I think a big, a big a big thing for us is like if you get to the end of the song after listening for the first time and it's not stuck in your head, then we did something wrong. Yeah. And we need to redo it so it does get stuck in your head or there's something memorable about the song that you want to go back to and connect with. Have you been writing a lot more? We, we mm. haven't been like writing complete songs, but we've definitely established what we want to achieve with the third record and little ideas here and yeah. there. And um, It's definitely a huge part of our mental space right now. Yeah, part, part of the reason the band is so... Yeah, I don't know what word to use. The part of the reason we're so good right now, like everything in the band feels so good, is because we all know what we're about to do. This album is super exciting for us. You mean everything between is super exciting. We can't wait to play it and tour it and like release it and just everything it. But we also know what we're going to do after, like exactly what we're going to do, and we're so ready for it. And that's yeah, that's part of the reason everything feels so great right now because we yeah. all just we all just hang out. Every time we hang out, we're just talking about cool. So when we do this, yeah. it's gonna be so good. Like uh, and we've. Got a, we've got a really amazing team behind us with Grayscale Records oh, right yeah. now, so it's making just the release of this album so easy and so just good, and we can kind of just take a step back and just enjoy the release. Yeah, let it happen. It's so good. The album obviously has a lot of heavy moments musically, but subject-wise, it's also quite a heavy listen as well. Can you take <laughs> us a little bit into your headspace while you were writing? So I deliberately tried to change my perspective on a lot of the things that had happened or were happening in my life when I was working on the lyrical content for this record. Usually, as a lot of artists are, are very sort of um, almost depressive with a lot of their lyrics, particularly in alternative music and almost self-loathing in a way. And that's what that's often where my brain starts to go when I start writing is this sort of like, I ruined everything <laughs> sort of mindset. But I wanted to, not even just for the music's sake, but for my mental health sake as sort of like a challenge and a test for myself and, well, maybe this will make me feel better. I um, deliberately tried to change my perspective. So instead of pointing the finger of blame at myself, I pointed it at everybody else. And it really, really shows in the lyrics, like me taking a step back now and looking at all the lyrics that I've written, I can really, (laughs) it is very finger pointy it's just yeah a very sort of angry angry record angry angry record i think that i have a lot of good reason to be angry at a lot of the people that these songs are about and a lot of the situations these songs are about and experiences and i sort of get that more now even now i get it more than i did when when i was working on all the lyrical content because i know i've had time to breathe and a lot of the stuff was happening at the time so self-made that song i wrote the lyrics for that basically a week after the incidents incidents basically a week after the incident it was very fresh in all our minds very very fresh wound Um, Mm -hmm. so I've had a lot of time to think about it now and I'm I'm really happy with myself and how I've portrayed everything and um, on a personal you know know, very self-centered and personal level and also just as an artist really content and happy with it and on a live front when you are revisiting those (coughs) moments Mm. is it catharsis or is it frustrating to have to go back and kind of revisit those moments again on stage well it's really interesting because the only song we've played from the record live um with the exception of two shows i guess is the carving knife we played the carving knife a couple of times because we released that standalone so we played that a few times and what's really interesting is just seeing how many people relate to that song and it's both 
beautiful and like heartbreaking because that song is um, it's miserable and it is it is about me going through a, a terrible toxic breakup or relationship and breakup and the amount of people that have reached out to me or that I see when we perform the song live and sing along and take the mic and want to sing it and scream it or whatever that's a beautiful thing because we're all united by this this song I guess but it's also horrible because we're all united by this song <laughs> you know what I mean like it's such an interesting thing. I'm not sure how these other songs are going to go the more we play them live. I guess I'll get back to you. You did just mention that first track, The Carving Knife. What was the reason for saying this is the one we're going to lead with, this is the one we're coming back with? It's the only one that made sense by itself. We knew we weren't going to announce the record yet. We were still doing a lot of behind the scenes in terms of we were deciding what we wanted to do label-wise. We had a lot on the table and we've obviously had a lot of issues with people that we've worked with before and we're obviously terrified of who we should trust to put this to give this record so we were like we need to release a song which song makes sense by itself and originally we actually chose self-made and then changed our minds super last minute and went with the carving knife i think i think it's just like it was a very good representation of what the overall sound of you mean everything in between would be like not many palhaven songs that were released beforehand really started off as strong as that and kind of like a kick in the face type of thing and we knew that'd be a big impact people listening to the new track for the first time and they'd just be punched in the face by this riff and uh i think that was a contributing factor as well yeah i think so and it's just a good song i read when you uh announced the song that this was the first track where the whole band had come into the writing process what was the decision to open up the process like that? I don't, I don't think it was like it was it wasn't a conscious decision. I think with all the releases prior to everything ablaze, Chris was songwriting mostly. Yeah, almost then, entirely. Um, he was going through some personal issues and had some sort of writer's block. So everything ablaze, I don't think he wrote much on it. At he all. did. He wrote Hunt for Health and started his black dress. Yeah, I think. like one or two songs. Yeah. And then uh, actually, Carving Knife was the first song we started writing period for this record it just happened naturally just in the start was an idea i had and i brought it to the guys and chris added some stuff and everybody added stuff tom stuff james yeah. was playing drums at you, the time i remember you and i working on the the vocals together yeah, as well from the get-go yeah. as well yeah so yeah with with you mean everything in between the songwriting was very spread out like everybody had a pretty even say i think out of the 11 tracks three were my songs three were tom's songs three were chris's songs and then all of them are david's lyrics with a few of us helping with a word or two here but 95 percent is david so it was very it wasn't a conscious decision it was just like okay everybody's got these good ideas and has the capability to write at this moment so yeah, it's just all working yeah it just worked yeah we didn't really think about it too much at all yeah we set up a schedule so like every i think wednesday night we'd go to dave and chris's house and at their studio and just Right. I think we learned a lot about letting people think out their idea and have this thing oh. instead of just shutting them down instantly, yeah. which we were very good at beforehand. Yeah, um, very, very so good. So it was a steep learning curve, <laughs> but I think we're much better humans because of it. I don't know how much you guys focus on this, but chart-wise, it did really well. The Carving Knife? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man, that blew my socks off. That was insane. That was pretty stoked. Yeah, kind that was... Kind of complain. Considering we hadn't released anything since March the year before... And this was October, the year after, so a year and a half. Yeah, we were like, what? 
Like it was mental because it stayed on the metal chart. It stayed number one on the metal charts for about a week. Yeah, like a week exactly, I think. I just remember talking to Tim, the guy who was handling all our PR at that time. And every day we were just messaging on Facebook being like, what the hell? It's still there. I don't understand. And it was just mental. Like it was so cool. You mentioned a little bit about the new team that you're part of, Grayscale Records. Mm. How did that come about? Because they are two great guys that are running that ship. Oh, yeah. I was having dinner with Ash last year. And we were, we just we'd come back from America only a couple of months before, and Ash and I are very close, and we were getting dinner, we were getting dumplings together probably every week or two with Jack from Void of Vision. That was like our thing; we do it all the time. It was just him and I one night, and he said, "Oh, I think I'm thinking about starting a record label." And I was like, "You should do it. That'd be awesome. Like you've got the mind for it. Like you kill it." Um, and he was talking about how he needs a partner and everything. And then obviously, I didn't follow a lot because I don't really know a lot about starting a label. But every time we'd hang out, he'd talk about it, and we sort of spoke about it a lot to the point where I was like, "Oh, maybe this will never happen." Like he just. But then all of a sudden. I woke up one day and it was announced that he and Josh had started this label. And then, yeah, when the album was done, I sent it to Ash because I wanted Ash to hear it because he's one of my best friends. And he obviously showed Josh and they were just like... I mean, Josh Josh is a close friend of the band and has always loved the band and we're super grateful for that. I remember Chris told me Josh screenshot... I uh, took a picture of the SoundCloud link that we sent him but obviously blurred out all the important bits and just put it on his Instagram story and captioned it something like um, that feeling when you listen to the next biggest post-hardcore record or something like that and it was like really nice and we like Chris saw that and knew it was about us and told me and I was like that's awesome like it's so cool and then they got back to us and they were just like we want to work with you so bad like this album is great their whole thing is they want the artist to be happy with the deal that they got and with working with the team and they want to work hard and they work hard on music that they enjoy yeah they don't they don't they sign so bands hard. that they don't enjoy like they love a band and they want to support it and they're just as much part of the team as any of the other members are like mm. they just want what's best for the band it's incentive for us to work harder incentive for them to work harder and to grow together well we, we had a lot on the table really and we were super nervous about it but something that we noticed with grayscale very quickly was that we'd even had like a meeting with them and stuff and money had barely been spoken about at all spoken to some bigger labels um, over in the States and they would talk about how blah 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 investment blah 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 money money and with Grayscale it was like oh this song's my favourite song and it was just like hanging out And but maybe that's because we had more of a personal relationship with them but money was just something that never really got spoken about and we really liked that because it's not about that like we just wanted to get the record out in a way that was right and with the right people and the right team people we trust and who aren't going to mess us around like others have just people who are passionate about that because I think the biggest part of Bellhaven is just our passion for it and we just want our team to reflect that I, I doubt they start a label because they want to make money they start a label because they're just total fans of music and yeah. total supporters of music and the local scene and the alternative music in Australia I think they just wanted to be a part of that because they could see they could make a difference and make a change and that's something that definitely attracted us to them that we could be part of this really young label that's really doing crazy things for how short of a time they've been around yeah, and not even a year yet yeah Ash, Ash always says he just wants to help the younger acts who without the help of a label or people like Ash and Josh will, will struggle to get the attention that they deserve um, he wants to help those acts like shed a bit of light on them basically and this is his way of doing that and he yeah I mean passionate 
Great word. Well said, Mara. Amazing. Unique. (laughs) Never been done before. Incredible. (laughs) Oh, they're going to be blushing when they listen to this. (laughs) I hope so. Finally, we are heading into the home stretch, you, me, and everything in between. We're getting close until you can unleash it onto the world. Mm -hmm. But uh, what are the next plans after that? We're going to go on a holiday. We're going to get away for a few days with yeah. each other and uh, start something special, Yeah, I think. That's the plan. Yeah, but, we're, um, we're planning a holiday. Otherwise, yes, we'll be on the road by the sounds of it quite a lot uh, toward the second half of this year, but we will see how we go. I'm more excited about the holiday right now. Yeah, <laughs> sort of hang out with the boys. <laughs>